Thank you for tuning in to the Practical Preservation Podcast. Please take a moment to visit our website, practicalpreservationservices.com, for additional information and tips to help you restore your historical home. If you've not done so, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, and also like us on Facebook. Welcome to the Practical Preservation Podcast, hosted by Danielle and Jonathan Kepperling. Kepperling Preservation Services is a family-owned business based in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, dedicated to the preservation of our built architectural history for today's use as well as future generations. Our weekly podcast provides you with expert advice specific to the unique needs of renovating a historic home, educating by sharing our from-the-trenches preservation knowledge and our guests' expertise, balancing modern needs while maintaining the historical significance, character, and beauty of your period home. So today on the Practical Preservation Podcast, I have uh, with me Eliza Grant from the um, Bluebird Project. So thank you for joining me today. Yeah, thank you. Okay, so tell me about your background. Yeah, so um, I right now I'm a Conway, full-time Conway resident, Conway, New Hampshire. Um, we are a little mountain town, um, a ski town uh, located in the White Mountains of New Hampshire. And um, I was sort of a vacationer to this area growing up, um, and now I'm a full-time resident here. Um, I... Actually, in addition to all my work with Bluebird, um, I am also a veterinarian. Um, and so I, when I went to school, um, I did a degree not only in biology, but also in um, city planning, basically. We called it growth and structure of cities um, with a specific interest in art and architectural history. And so that's always been sort of my other love, um, other than doing medicine and working with animals. Um, and so when I moved here full time about six years ago now, I got really involved um, and I'm now on the planning board in Conway um, and I've gotten involved in some more initiatives locally to try to, you know, solve some of our issues in a number of ways, one of which is definitely historic preservation and also not just preserving, but also really caring for and fully utilizing all the wonderful historic structures that we have in our town. Yeah, um, I, think, I think that's an important component is the, the reuse of buildings. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really how our entire business came about, basically. Um, because one thing that we had noticed in town is we had a lot of historic buildings that had been saved for a long time, but maybe had not been totally maintained or were not being fully utilized. And as the tourism industry has grown here and home prices have risen here, we started to see a lot of these buildings getting knocked down um, because businesses would come in and they would want to build a store or a restaurant. And rather than go through the work of saving something historic, they would just say, well, we're going to buy it and we're going to knock it down. And right. we were not organized as a town when that sort of started to really be able to say, okay, we're going to, you know, stop this, or we're going to come up with some sort of alternate use to get other businesses in here, saving these buildings, getting involved, you know, um, in that way, because the planning board that I'm on in town, while we all care very deeply about this, 
you know, the town can't just buy every single building right. we want to save. You know, we have to be involved in the community and educating people, but we also need businesses, local businesses and other entities that want to get involved in this more. And so that's how I got involved from a business perspective. Um, you know, we need affordable housing in Conway desperately. Um, we have been a victim of sort of the Airbnb fad where, oh, yeah. you know, we have tons and tons of homes and other buildings, businesses that are being bought up and turned into Airbnbs, and we have a real lack of housing. And so um, my friend Kit, who's an entrepreneur, and I maybe sort of stu stubbornly <laughs> decided, well, there must be a way to solve both of these problems at once, right? right? People need somewhere to be, and we need to save these buildings, and we need to find a way to have these buildings actually generate some income mm -hmm. so that they can you know, have the income needed to actually be, have them really well cared for and preserved. Um, and so that's basically where our entire business came from is that yeah, we said, we're going to find a way to do this. Yeah. Well, and, and I always say that like a building needs to be useful to be preserved. So yeah. that I, I, I totally agree with, with, with everything that you're saying and have you, is, are there any restrictions on, um, on Airbnbs within um, Conway or has that, have you not gotten to that point in, within the ordinances? So right now in Conway, um, there is actually a lawsuit going on um, because the town does have regulations that say that if you are using your property as, you know, a, rent, a vacation home, a vacation rental, as, as like basically, you know, a hotel or any right. type of hotel type business, then you need to be, you need to either have a proprietor on site, right? So like a classic in or a classic B&B right. that has an owner that's there on site, um, you know, or you need to be like a full fledged hotel that has, you know, a full staff on site, et cetera. Um, and so basically the, what it, a lot of this has come down to is of course, a lot of Airbnb or say, well, this is a residence, this is a home, and I'm just letting people right. stay there. And they're, you know, they're so, and it is legally complicated, obviously, because mm. yes, a home is a residence. Right. Um, but, you know, this question of if you never go to your house and it's only being lived in weekend to weekend by different people, is that a business or is that a home, you know? And right. that's another debate, but the, the town of Conway is actually in court right now over that. So we're sort of on pause in terms of, from a planning perspective, actually regulating or legislating that at all, yeah. because it kind of depends on the outcome of that. Right. Yeah. We're, um, we're going through that in Lancaster um, yeah. and they have started to restrict, like you can only open an Airbnb in a single family residence, not, you can't buy an apartment building and turn it into an Airbnb. Like, so they have, they have, and cause a lot of our houses are bigger. The houses in town are bigger Victorians that have been cut up into apartments. And so they don't yeah. want people buying those and then taking three or four units out rather than just one. So, yeah, yeah I know I, it's, it's, it's kind of uncharted territory that people probably hadn't thought of 15 years ago. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I think that's, that is a big component of it is you, I mean, you can't predict the future when you're trying to solve these problems, right? You have to try to solve the problem you have, but things are constantly changing and, you know, in some ways maybe changing at a more rapid rate 
nowadays um, than they were 30, 50, 80 years ago. Um, and so, I mean, we, we definitely felt, Kit and I felt like we have these problems we want to solve. We want to save these buildings. We want the buildings to be cared for and saved in a sustainable way. And we want to use them for housing because we don't have enough housing. And right. a lot of these older built buildings are buildings that are in, you know, in the villages and in the commercial centers because those buildings, that was, you know, right. like our building, uh, the, what we call the bunker building, which was the North Conway house, um, that building, you know, was, was on Main Street. It was actually moved um, in 1900, but it was on Main Street. It was for a time, you know, the tallest building in North Conway. It was for, a, it was the first year round um, hotel ever to be open in the town of Conway. And when it started to be used um, in its more recent history as more mixed residential commercial, which is how the sort of intent of how we'd be maintaining it. Um, the building was moved. And, you know, it's funny, everybody in town who lives here knows it, but a lot of people I'm sure come to visit and they don't even see it. You know, it's not the fixture right. anymore, but it's still there in its original volume. It's incredibly beautiful. It's, you know, was extremely well built. And so that's, you know, that's sort of our poster child project for that reason. But it's not even just that it's so perfect, you know, the building is almost 8,000 square feet. Oh and my goodness, so, that's huge. Because it's, a, it's three and a half stories, but most of that fourth story is full height, usable space. Um, and, you know, it's a fantastic structure. It's a fantastic structure for, ha for housing. It's not far from its historical use. Um, and I think there's been a lot of anxiety in town, people getting worried because it wasn't being well-maintained that it might end up having to come down, you know? And so that was why, part of why we pursued that building, because we felt like this is an at-risk building right. that is historical and it's perfect for housing. You know, it's one block from the school. It's one block from the downtown center. It's two blocks from the park, two blocks from the community center. Um, so, you know, there, there are opportunities, you know, to save those incredible things like this. And, um, we were happy to be those people to kind of be like, we're just going to figure this out. You know, we're going to just well, do what we ever we can do. Yeah. Well, and the other tension there that I thought of when you were talking about it being a tourist area is that the people who work in tourist areas usually aren't high income people and they still need places to live. Yeah. And, and yeah. so that's, that, that's, that I think trying to find affordable housing is really a good fit then for, for, for the area. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's this great irony that people, they come here to visit and they spend so much money staying in, you know, hotels and Airbnbs and doing all the incredible things that you can do in Conway, you know, skiing, doing the scenic railroad. And then they're frustrated when it takes 45 minutes for them to get seated for dinner, right. but it takes 45 minutes for them to get seated for dinner because, you know, maybe the extra servers they had last summer, their house was bought by an Airbnb. They were kicked out and they had to move an hour away. And if right. they could find a job that's closer to their new home that they can afford, they're going to work there. They're not going to drive an hour, no. you know, to be your server. And so you have to find ways to give hardworking people that want to work and participate in these communities, we have to find a way to house them. You know, they deserve housing and we need them. 
Yeah, no, I, 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 I really agree with that. Um, so, so you talked a little bit about the former hotel that you're turning into, to, uh, affordable housing. Tell me about some of the other properties that you're, that you're working on developing. Yeah. So, um, we have another one that we have, um, is a, another sort of in, um, a, a traditional B&B that, the home itself is actually, it is not currently listed on the National Register, but it is eligible. It's a beautiful antique, also mid-1800s home. And the it's an interesting setup because the, the inn purchased these cottages around the home that were not, not necessarily historical. They're probably about 80 years old, but they're not historical to the degree that- Right, the, the not the period is. of significance, yeah. Yeah, Um and they were, these cottages were originally primary residences. So they were originally full-time renter homes and they were getting used as part of the, the in business as in rooms. And the innkeepers are sort of winding down their business, but they, they really want to stay in the area. They live in this beautiful old home that they've cared for and they'd like to stay in that home. Right. And so what we worked out with them was acquiring those cottages with the idea that we would sort of keep them as is they're not they're you know we're not necessarily looking to get them listed anywhere but right. kind of the idea of okay we're going to keep the fabric the aesthetic the layout of the community identical mm-hmm. um but we're just going to put full-time renters in these cottages right. and they're going to continue to care for the antique home there that is associated with them um and, you know, we're going to kind of allow them to wind down their business and, you know, prevent that, you know, the big concern would be, you know, if there wasn't an opportunity like this for them, would they sell the whole, you know, the whole property and, you know, would it get redeveloped? Right. You know, so it's sort of in that with that project, you know, in terms of conserving the whole property and the historic home, it's really a partnership of you know, their stewardship of that home has been wonderful and they actually want to stay there. And so we're sort of coming in and you're helping them to part of the property, right. To sort of allow it all to be preserved. Um, but they are staying in that home and and they're great. We're very excited about that. Oh, that, that does sound exciting. I, we have, um, a lot of like motor ends um, along yeah. uh, the Lincoln highway here. And there's a, there's one that has little cottages. Um, yeah. And and I always tell my husband that I want to, uh, when I retire, when we retire, I want to run a little motel like that. And he, he, yeah. he has nothing. He wants nothing to do with my vision. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot of work, you know, well, it is. Um, I'm like, I'll be front desk and you can, and he's like, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, by the time you're done, like mowing and, you know, plowing and everything, you got yeah. to start the beginning of them. Yeah, no. Yeah, he's he's um, like, you'll just attract all the weird people. That's what he says to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's, you know, it's funny because we, we have also so many diverse types of tourist businesses in terms of B&Bs, you know, Airbnbs, we have motels, we have hotels you know, there's so many different things. Um, we have the Eastern Slope Inn, which is a historic building um, that I believe is mostly timeshares actually. So we have a lot of very diverse sort of interesting ways that a lot of community buildings that are historic have been reused and adapted and have grown with the town. And I think that we kind of felt like 
it ha that has been happening for a long time, you know, over a hundred years of, you know, like the old railroad building is the scenic railroad now, right. and that's a national register building. That's an unbelievable building. Um, it's so fantastic and, and well cared for as well. And so I think we just kind of felt like there's a lot of, a lot of industries and a lot of hats in the ring of saving historic buildings in town and saving these structures that everybody really cares about, but there was no one doing it from the housing perspective, you know, and it's like, we have tourist businesses, you know, saving these buildings. We have like the Eastern Slope in, and we have, you know, the railroad saving that building. We have a lot of commercial businesses that are in older structures. Um, and so we felt like, you know, rentals generate income too. And there's gotta be a way to come, come at it from that vein and say, okay, how can we save more of these buildings and bring a new industry to the table of saving these buildings, especially ones like our building, you know, it's only a block away from a lot of the main downtown, but it's not really a traffic spot. Like I said, it's right by the school. So it's kind of like, there are these wonderful buildings that are maybe not the going to be, be the of other exactly they're underutilized they're not going to be the centerpiece of a major tourist business but they're valuable to the area and they can be used in a way to support locals um and so we're really proud of that yeah i i think that i think that what you're doing is great so so thank you thank you for for making housing but also saving buildings um what i am sure that there has been um some some pushback within the community because uh there tends to be um I, we see that in lancaster too so what are some of the common misconceptions that you've encountered about affordable housing and about your project just in in general yeah um you know it's interesting from the preservation side, we have really not gotten any pushback oh, that's at all, great. Yeah. Um, which is great. And it's something that I'm very like proud of my community for that, because I do feel that the community recognizes that saving our buildings and really keeping the physical fabric of the community and our villages, you know, keeping that integrity is important, mm -hmm. um, which is great. And um, we, you know, we do get some pushbacks pushback from the affordable housing side of the puzzle, um, a lot of people have this perception that because it's affordable housing, like it's not going to be super well maintained right. or, or it's not going to be organized or like it's just going to be something that maybe, maybe as for us, like as the business owners, maybe it would fall by the wayside once we're done getting it, you know, right. getting things refurbished, making improvements, we're going to put people in there and it's not going to be our priority anymore. Um, and, you know, we've had to say to people to a degree, yeah, to a degree, you have to trust us because I don't, I don't have a, like, I don't know what to say other than to say that I, we care deeply about these buildings. That's why we're doing this. I mean, we can go build brand new housing somewhere right we don't want to do that no. what we want to do is save these buildings and specifically the reason we're getting into this is because again a lot of these structures are underutilized mm. like the bunker building um or the north conway house you know they it is currently underutilized and so part of saving it is continuing to save it and continuing right. to do that work of 
keeping it maintained and keeping it in good condition and caring for it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, one thing I've said to people, and maybe they think I'm joking, but I'm really not, is that like, you know where to find me. Right. I mean, you can, call, you can go to town hall, you can go to a planning board meeting and stand up at public comment and say, yeah. Eliza Grant's not mowing her lawn, <laughs> I, you know, and you can put it on the public record. You know, right. there is accountability and I'm happy to have accountability for these buildings, but the entire point is that we care deeply about all of these projects and these specific buildings. You know, this is not something we're going to throw up and walk away. We don't right. want to throw up anything. We, what we want to do is figure out a way to, you know, save and, and retrofit people into buildings so that they have housing and these structures are saved. So, you know, I think, yes, there is some trust. And I think that obviously having to trust can make people nervous. You know, I, I understand that. Um, but I think the reality is we trust our neighbors every day. We trust the people that own the buildings on our main street every day that they're going to care for them. Um, and you know, maybe a little bit of that is because, you know, we, we are taking, um, you know, community development funding for these projects in order to make them affordable. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's very common affordable housing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Across the board, that's happening with anything with affordable housing is some sort of um, community development or housing financing um, across the board. Right. And so I think, you know, there is a little bit of trust and obviously we are a newer business, um, but that's why we're here. We're here because we care about these buildings and we want them to survive another 150 years. So, um, you know, I think that it's just, everybody always gets nervous, especially if it's on their street, you know, or it's right. in their yard, people get nervous about stuff changing. Um, and that's understandable. So I think that's just, especially with affordable housing specifically, um, that's just part and parcel. If anything, I think that we get, we get, I think more positive feedback because of this understanding that there is this deep care for the community and the buildings that we're saving. Yeah, I think that's that's great. We have a couple of proposed um, affordable housing developments in Lancaster, and the neighbors are really up in arms, but they're more worried about their property values than than anything else, which studies show that mixed income neighborhoods actually do better over time than than segregating poverty or however, however it's described. And so but. Yeah, it's it's interesting to me people's reactions because they're not they're not always logical. They're usually coming from an emotional an emotional place. Yeah, yeah exactly. And I, I think, you know, to speak to your point as well, because our intent is not to change anything about the visual or sort of external buildings, right? And to change as little inside as we can. But obviously, internal changes are mainly what's right. happening because you have to actually create apartments. Um, because there's, our goal is for nothing to look different or function differently from the outside that has, I think, spared us some of that feedback because one thing I do hear in town in general, when I talk to people about what we do is they say their, their fear with affordable housing is affordable housing to them means big rectangular apartment buildings. Right. And that is not what our what our community right. design right. or fabric or aesthetic, that is not what it is. And so I actually, I, I hear about that when I talk to people that do support us because they say, you know, 
I'm relieved that somebody is addressing this issue without their solution being, we're going to put up a big four-story rectangle and just put as many human beings in it as we possibly can. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that type of development. And especially in cities and more urban areas where everything is a big giant, a lot of things are a big giant rectangle. I won't say everything. Um, I've been living in the woods too long. Um, (laughs) But I think that, you know, I think it's, that's why, that's why the devil's in the details, right? You know, it's like not all affordable housing is the same. Not all historic preservation is the same. Not every business is the same. And, you know, you have to really look at what are we doing here, you know? And I think for us, because we do have to go through the town for any multifamily development we do, and that gives a butter's chance, you know, the chance to express their concerns and you know have the give the town the ability to say well we want this we want more trees on the street or whatever you know that's all actually I think a positive other than the time and money you know of all of that (laughs) um it is overall I think a positive because it lets us really get to say this is exactly what we're doing you know this is how it's going to function this is what it's going to look like and we're you know with the bunker building um, you know, we're trying to get that on the national register um, and do the historic tax credit program for that work. So, you know, again, it gives us a chance to say, you know, we want to be accountable to this project getting done in the way that it should be done. And that's fine. We have no problem with that accountability because that's our goal too. Right. Yeah. No. And, and that's, that's, I'm, I'm on our historical commission and i when we have to go through projects, you know, I have no issue because I know we're doing everything that they would want us to, but you know, the people who are, are fighting are usually the people who aren't doing it the, the way that, you know, is acceptable to, to the, to the commission. Right. Um, if you want to cut corners, you're probably going to get pushback. Right. Yeah, exactly. So uh, before I do the last couple questions, are there, is there anything that you thought of that you want to share that maybe I didn't think to ask or you, as you were talking, you thought you wanted to share? Um, I mean, I think that the the only other thing I'd want to say or emphasize is, you know, we have one thing we have done as part of our sort of mission and our business model is we've tried to really put ourselves out there to the community to say, like, if you have something you want to save and you need help, like reach out to us. Mm -hmm. because we can't solve every problem, but we have learned so much in terms of resources available. And sometimes we learn about resources that ultimately we can't use. Right. Um, But there are things, you know, that we can, there's information, there's people we can connect other people with. Um, And, you know, for us, keeping ourselves really limited to the Mount Washington Valley and Conway has, the benefit of that has been for us that we are very integrated in the community, you know, we right. always are, if we hear about, oh, this thing that's historic might be changing hands or this historic building is at risk um, or what's going on over here, we really try to, you know, lightly insert ourselves and mm-hmm. say like, can we help, you know, can we bring resources to this? Like, yeah. do you want my contact at the State Historic Preservation Office so that they can help you? Um, you know, I try to really reach out and, and part of the fun of it is just connecting with people in the community. You know, sometimes we get people that just want to have us come, you know, sit on their porch and have a beer and talk about landscape architecture. And that's really fun. Like, that's a great thing that I love to do. So, um, 
I think that there's a lot of room for other people to do those things, even if you don't necessarily want it to be your business, even, you know, I know I'm preaching to the choir talking to you, but I think there are probably a lot of people that are not necessarily preservationists or doing this as their full-time job, but you can still be aware in your community, aware of what structures are at risk and ask about how you can get involved or be organized. Um, our, a lot of members of our current planning board have gotten involved because of historic structures that have been taken down. You know, the famous example in Conway is one of the original whole antique, you know, historic homes in Conway was knocked down because someone bought it and built an auto zone. And people, it's like, people bring that up. And it's like, you can tell any, anyone who's like a full-time Conway resident who pays attention to town history, like shutters, you know, every time that's mentioned, right? because it was just so, it just happened and nobody knew how, no, you know, people were not, we were not organized and to the degree we are now in order to be able to stop it. And uh, I think that the good and bad of something like that is it was terrible that it happened, but it has brought a lot of awareness and brought a lot of people sort of into the fold. Um, It's made people run to get on the planning board that have, you know, gotten involved and done awesome things. Um, So I think that even in the little things that can be, can feel like a loss from a preservation standpoint, you know, you just like have to, you got to keep going and you got to find the silver lining of this brought awareness, right? So maybe the next building at risk, maybe that person might want to sell it to someone like me and Kit instead, or, you know, might want to reach out to somebody in the community before they call a realtor, uh, you know, to see, would you, would you want, you know, could we find somebody who wants to really be the steward of this building rather than thinking of it as just like a lot that's going to get turned over. Um, You know, most of the building, most of the things we've bought were were in the process of buying another mid 1800s home with incredibly beautiful details and it's uh, internally in very bad shape. It's not livable. There's no one there. And that's another thing that would get torn down and we're going to turn it into five units. Um, And we're very excited about that home uh, as well. You know, almost all these things that we're finding, we're finding them by just having, you know, boots on the ground of what's going on in town. What can we save? Who wants to talk to us? Who owns a historic building that would be maybe willing to put some apartments in it so that it can get some funding and get saved? Um, So, you know, I think that there are many, many community members who have helped us in this that are not necessarily, um, you know, us or not necessarily. They they don't view themselves as preservationists, right? Right. You don't have to be a preservationist to help save things and help make good things happen in your community. Um, and so I think that for anybody who's not a preservationist, that's something that I would say is you can still pay attention. You can still make connections. Um, and you can still do really good, cool things um, for your community. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. And I think that a lot of people are more preservation minded than they realize. They just don't realize yeah. that that's, that's what it's called. <laughs> right. I know it's so, that is so so true and has definitely been our experience because people who we talk to are like, yeah, that's cool what you're doing. And, and they, in their heads, they don't think like, that's not my avenue or that's not my thing. Right. You know, then they'll say, yeah, that is cool what you're doing. Also, I was wondering what's happening with this building, you know, 
because my cousin Bobby's sister lived there. Right. And, you know, she just moved out last month and she knows the owner and I'm wondering what's happening, you know? And it's like something as tiny as that can be like, well, you can give them my number. Right. They want to save their building, you know? So I think it, it is really incredible how much people really do care. They do. You know, they care about it. They just don't necessarily know, either don't know how to get involved or they don't realize that just caring and helping connection, make connections is is doing it. You know, it's right. like, you're doing it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 I agree with you completely. So, um, so how could someone, if someone's listening and wants to support your mission, how can they help? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we are the Bluebird Project and all of our social media for the most part is the Bluebird Project NH. Um, just because we're New Hampshire and that makes it a little easier to know <laughs> that you found us, but we are on Facebook and Instagram, um, specifically with Instagram, we're trying to chronicle um, our bunker building or North Conway house uh, renovation um, and the whole process that we're going through with that. Um, and then the Bluebird Project NH at gmail.com is our email address. So you can always reach out. Okay. Um, and yeah, we, I mean, we get a ton of contact from people that are interested. They want to try to do it in their community. Um, you know, they want some tips and tricks on how, you know, how to get involved and do these things. And we're happy, you know, we're always happy to talk to anyone. Um, and if you're in the Mount Washington Valley and you have a historic property, call me, <laughs> you know, email me. <laughs> yes. Um, and, and you can always find me at every Conway planning board meeting, um, <laughs> you know, arguing about trees and how we can save as much as, oh. as much as possible. <laughs> That's funny. Well, we'll make sure that um, all your social media and your email are on our website where the where the podcast is hosted. Yeah. So if somebody's listening and wants to go back and look, they can they can look for you there. Thank you yeah, so much awesome. for for uh, joining me today. I enjoyed our conversation. Yeah, this was great. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Practical Preservation Podcast. The resources discussed during this episode are on our website at practicalpreservationservices.com forward slash podcast. If you received value from this episode and know someone else that will get value from it as well, please share it with them. Join us next week for another episode of the Practical Preservation Podcast. For more information on restoring your historic home, visit practicalpreservationservices.com.